You're listening to Innovating Smart, stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org. What is smart? Smart is system savvy, managed intelligently, adaptive, regenerative, and trusted. These are our design principles for a sustainable world. My name is Robert Foster. I'm a sustainability advisor and consultant and a green MBA graduate. Today we are speaking with Dirk Michaels. In 2011, Mr. Michaels was recognized by the Daily Journal as one of the top 25 clean technology lawyers in California for his innovative work in project finance, from purchase power agreements to renewable energy and carbon credits. Prior to joining the law firm K.L. Gates in Palo Alto, Mr. Michaels practiced as a lawyer in Hamburg, Germany. We welcome Dirk Michaels' innovative ideas and contributions to Innovating Smart. My name is Dirk Michaels, um, or as we say in Germany, Dirk Michels. Um, I'm from Germany. I'm um, admitted to practice law in Germany and in California. I practiced law in Germany for about six years before I started practicing here. Um, I'm, in, I'm a partner of uh, KL and KNL Gates. Um, we are a international law firm with 37 offices and more than 2,000 attorneys. We have a very vibrant clean tech practice um, and I have a leading role in our clean tech practice here in California. I'm uh, located in, in our Palo Alto office but work with attorneys in our San Francisco, Los Angeles, Orange County and San Diego offices on clean tech matters. Great. and. Uh so what is the most innovative thing you're doing right now? I'm going to ask you three questions. What is the most innovative thing you're doing right now, and why are you doing this, and why is it important? most innovative thing that I'm doing right now, I would say, is helping our clients in specifically the solar industry um, to get to the point where solar is truly at grid parity, which means solar electricity from solar sources can be produced at comparable cost as electricity from fossil fuel sources, gas, oil, coal, and that taking into consideration all the um, subsidies, by the way, that are hidden um, in terms of um, using oil, gas, and, and um, coal, source, uh, coal fuels. Um, why is it inno innovative? Um, the reason is this is a new industry. Um, it is a new energy source, at least in the scale as it is necessary to be implemented in our energy mix. Um, and it's op basically open books, new rules and regulations are being drafted and crafted every day we are working in this field. Um, if you f take, for example, um, distributed solar, distributed solar, specific specifically distributed commercial solar, um, is a solar installation on the rooftop, on adjacent land or a shaded parking lot, but close to a building so that the users of that building, normally commercial outfits, um, uh, offices, 
Safeway grocery uh, grocery shops and so on and so forth can use the energy created by the solar system directly on the premises. Okay. Now, that is something something new that has all only been been in um, in the mix for about three, four, perhaps five years, um, and. What needed to be done there is to create totally new agreements. I don't know whether anybody has heard about a power purchase agreement. It's basically the agreement which is the basis for the purchase of electrical energy. Generally, power purchase agreements are um, two inches thick, and they are um, they're agreements between an energy producer and a utility. Now, these distributed commercial agreements, they were between the owner of a solar facility on the rooftop of a building and the building user grocery store to use the energy in, in the solar field, uh, in, in, from the solar um, facility. Um, so it, it's, an, it's, an, it's an agreement not with a big utility, it's an agreement with a small building owner. So the agreement had to become from two inches less than ten pages. So how do you broil down an agreement that normally is two inches to, to about ten pages and make it much more user-friendly um, and um, usable in, in many, many cases, not only once or twice over an extended period of time with a big utility, but with many, many off-takers, many, many grocery stores and so on and so forth. So that was the, the innovation, creating cookie-cutter contracts easy to use, easy to understand, and reducing legal costs for our clients and the users of, of solar energy, and thereby contributing to a widespread use of solar energy, making um, solar energy grid parity, or bringing solar energy to grid parity um, to the same cost as um, fossil fuel. That's great. Um if you're right, I mean, the whole industry, it's a new industry, so uh, there's a whole legal framework in that industry, and, and it's different in that there's the whole purchase, how it's all, there are constant innovations now, because the goal is to make it so that people can't implement it, and access the sun, use these technologies, but everybody's paid for it. but it's kind of like, interestingly enough, when the, uh, the mortgage, the 30-year mortgage came along, that was a big, that move, as you probably know, in America at least, probably the rest of the world, uh, the uh, houses were not, there were not many people who could afford a house until a 30-year mortgage came along. And that caused the entire, through the 50s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, maybe the 50s, the whole housing market to explode. I suppose a power purchase agreement is, and, and then what you're inventing there is the same idea. I think it's a, it's a great comparison, the 30-year mortgage, because that's where it should go. It should be as easy as filling out a mortgage application to fill out the financing application to get a solar system on your, on your roof, on your commercial roof. It may be as easy as that for a very small-scale project, a residential project, 2 kilowatt, 3 kilowatt, 4 kilowatt or something. But if you go to the 200, 300, 500 kilowatt and you get into the more than a million dollar financing um, arena, then the documents still are very complicated. The financing documents are complicated. If we could get to the point where solar, rooftop solar, distributed commercial solar, is an asset class like a mortgage that can be where the paper can be traded in the secondary market, that would be fabulous, and that's where it should go. You think it'll go there? I think it will. Yes. 
Um, what uh, if you had the power to change laws? What laws would you change or would you write to help the cause of energy sustainability today? Uh, that's that's a hard one. Um, coming from Germany, the first thing that comes comes to mind is why is Germany probably the densest um, or the, the the country with the highest solar implementation. Um, the reason is because Germany has a feed-in tariff. A feed-in tariff means you get a guaranteed price that makes a system financeable from the utility and based on this cash flow, based on the guaranteed price for a guaranteed time, 15 to even 20 years, um, it's easier for you to finance the, um, the system. Here in the United States, we don't have feed-in tariffs. Um, what is a feed-in tariff again? A feed-in tariff basically says um, if you, building owner, have a solar installation on your roof, every kilowatt hour that you produce in that solar installation, you can sell to the utility at a set price, let's say, 30 cents. At the same time, the kilowatt hours that you use for running your business, you can pull out of the grid at the normal retail rate, mm -hmm. which is 16 cents. Mm -hmm. So you have a arbitrage of 14 cents. You basically make on each kilowatt hour that you sell versus buying 14 cents. Mm. And that makes the financing of the solar system much easier. So that's one thing I would, I would probably um, try to, to change. Um, implementation of a feed-in tariff. Um, what also would be helpful might be a um, national um, renewable portfolio standard um, whereby utilities are being basically forced by law to produce a certain percentage of their energy production from fossil, um, from fossil, um, uh, from non-fossil, from renewable ener energy sources. Um, that would be would definitely help help the cause. Uh, fleet standards, car fleet standards, um, miles per gallon uh, should be increased. I think it wouldn't be bad if um, if nationwide we had a fleet standard like here in California, which is the highest fleet standard in, in in the United States. Which means every manufacturer has to produce cars so that that the average of the um, fuel consumption of the car is above a certain minimum mile per gallon standard. Right. And I think this is probably our last question, believe it or not, but uh, what are the, um, let's pick my favorite one here, um, yeah, uh, what are the greatest legal risks that you see confront the clean tech industry today? It's an innovative industry, it's just driven by constant effort to innovate, uh, but what are the legal risks that they face? Legal risks, and I don't, I don't necessarily know how to um, to solve that problem. Energy, uh, clean tech is all about energy. Energy market is a high, highly regulated market, and to some extent, the regulation in the energy market is justified because energy is such an important um, 
such an important thing in our daily life um, that it has to be there and we have to guarantee that it's there when we need it. Um, but on the other hand, the more regulated an industry is, the, the harder it is to, to break into the industry. The more costs are involved in breaking into the industry, the more, the more costly it is to, um, to deploy a new in invention. Uh, you can't just, like with, with software or in the gaming industry or the media industry, you invent something, you push it out in the market and see whether the consumer likes it or not. That easy. Before you can push something out in the market in the in the energy um, field, you have to comply with many many more regulations than with software or hardware, computer hardware or something. So the question that I have is, are we overregulating? Um, and I think overregulation may be maybe um, the biggest leader risk. Or said differently, if we don't. If we can't um, can't get to um, to a balance of regulation um, to regulate the necessary and not regulate the unnecessary, um, I think that that's important for the industry. And and uh, and so right now, uh, companies are inventing and they're innovating, but they're bumping into regulations that all of a sudden make it harder to bring their products forward because there's a headwind of, of regulatory. Uh, uh, you know, business as usual from the existing industry, they can't get in, and so what happens? They just they... no. You have to comply with regulations, right? Um, if, for example, you have a you have an invention in the electric vehicle space, right? There, there are so many regulations you have to comply with. You may have regulations in the energy. Um, you have regulations in, in vehicles. You have um, transport regulations and so on and so forth um, and having the knowledge about all the regulations that that come that, that apply to you um, is a question of cost it's a question of having costly consultants um, and so on and so forth and the question then is can you afford it and I think that there are there are many inventions which which probably are good but never go to go to market or into com commercialization because there's such a jungle of, of regulations that nobody really can in a cost-efficient manner um, find it out. Right? If I have, for example, energy is generally state regulated. Okay, so if, if I want to do um, the, the analysis of whether and how I can put a product in the energy market into, into commerce, if I have to do a research on 50 state laws, it's much more costly and takes much more, much longer than if I would have to do the same analysis on one set of laws, which is federal law. That's, that's the problem. I see. Very good, Dirk. Thank you very much. That's all the time here for this interview, but thank you so much for sharing that. And, uh... Thank you. Thanks to Dirk Michaels for talking with us today. Visit K.L. Gates at klgates.com. I am Robert Bostick. This story was produced by myself and directed by Sue Liebeck. Music courtesy of Triplexity with support from Plant Trust, Preservation of Land for Agricultural Needs, Sustainavision, Business for the World We Share, Silicon Valley Innovation Associates, and Starnet. 
Harnessing the Power of Partnership. This has been Innovating Smart, bringing you stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org.